Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Thomas May. And I'm Zancy Weber. The Craving Creativity Podcast is our cry for help. A way to help ourselves as creatives to talk about how we get inspired, how we create, but also how we deal with stress, mental illness, and everything in between. Now, if you're creative, you, like us, have most likely always been seen as the black sheep of your family and always making different choices than what 90% of normal people might do. Uh, Not going for the safe choice, but always living a little on the edge. With the Craving Creativity Podcast, it is our hope to create a safe space where we can talk about being creative. We want to build a community of like-minded creatives and help each other. Subscribe, email us, and be part of the creative journey. You are listening to Craving Creativity, the podcast where we talk about being creative, how not to fit into the rest of society, and how do creative get things done? How do creative work and live? And this is our safe space where we, I'm here with my uh, wonderful co-host, Zane C. Weber. And my name is Thomas Mai. And today we're going to talk about paying homage. And you came up with this topic here today, Zane. So can you explain to me what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So homage or homage is one of my favorite, um, uh, one of my favorite things to find in media, whether it be TV show or book or what have you. Mm. Um, And it's basically... uh, Paying honor or giving honor yes. to something that has come beforehand, yes. and whether that be through reference or through mimicry yeah. to, to a certain degree. Um, so homage, homage comes from like reverence of gods and saints and whatever, like yeah. pay, giving them honor. Yeah. Um, in an artistic sense, it's <clears throat> it's very much more the sense of like acknowledging the the your inspirations or your exactly or yeah or your uh influences i looked it up on i think it was website that pointed out it's a feudal a feudal knight would pay homage to his lord yes, to say yeah. that i serve you and yeah. so yeah that's it's just been used in many different ways yeah absolutely so i kind of came up with this because I, I read a quote um from brendan gill and it's just parody is homage gone sour and so i i kind of wanted to have a talk about um because i myself in my own creative work uh homage a lot so i wanted to kind of talk about the difference between homage and parody or satire because like you can have a uh i guess south park is a great example where like they i would say that they nominally say that they would homage a lot of different things. But I would say that most of what they do is parody because parody is mocking something that has come before you. Um, So that is kind of why I wanted to talk about homage because some of my favorite creators, Quentin Tarantino, first and foremost among them, Mm. is known yeah, homage. all the time. Yeah, yeah. In, in especially inspired inspired by the Hong Kong films and all the stuff he watched. Western yeah. Americana, yeah. black exploitation. Yeah, um, yeah, all of the. All, and he 
really, honestly, I think he's been given a little bit too much of a leash in his later career to just kind of pack all of them into a single film yeah, yeah. where where in his earlier stuff it was much more curated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you think of homage? Do you because I know when I said homage, yeah. you didn't exactly know no. what I was talking about. Yeah, well um, again, not having my English as the first language, course, I guess, yeah. is is <laughs> is part of it. But also um in in the works that I've done, we haven't done much of it. Um, obviously, people have paved the way before us. We're yeah. all standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, what is possible today is because of someone else did something at some point. So in that uh, respect, I understand and I get it. Um, and I had to look beyond, as listeners of this podcast will know, we have a top three list where we talk about today. You asked me to come up with, with different things and yeah, I came up yeah. with a film and a TV show and some music. So interesting. interesting. So we'll talk about that later on, but um, stay tuned for that. Um, but it's, 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 I had to really think about this because some artists or directors like Quentin Tarantino, it's so obvious. And then there's the staying in the film world. Then there's the blank, uh, blank, um, where you remake something. Yeah. Like scene by scene, shot by shot, or just put all the characters in it. Like Nikita turning into... Uh, the American version of it. There's a Danish film right now that's just been turned into an American film. It just happens all the time. And of course, that's not homage. It's some, some company thinking, okay, this, this worked really well. It's executed on, yeah. on an American level and go more global with it. So I mean, you, you even have examples like Psycho, yeah. which, uh, which is literally a shot-for-shot remake just with new actors. Um, and I, I definitely do not understand why that is because i think the beauty of an homage is you acknowledge what has come before yes. what the masters have done exactly and then you add your interpretation yes. you add to it you you add something else into the conversation yes. because obviously as time has gone on yes you have the you have what the aspects of that work of art that has penetrated the the zeitgeist and that you have those interpretations that you can then draw on yes in different ways um which is why, like, I, I really despise remakes, um, <laughs> yeah. and and all, and really the the American the Americanization of like British TV shows or or European TV shows yeah. is just like why copy them exactly? You you an American sense of humor is not no. a British sense no. of humor, and a, an American sense of humor is not an Australian sense of humor. You really need to you can definitely be inspired by yeah. But you need to you need to add something to the conversation. Yeah. So let's talk about The Office, for instance, right? The British yeah, show, sure. right? So Ricky Gervais' amazing show, which is so cringeworthy, and I still to this day <laughs> when I watch it, I have to pause and go walk away and come back because he's so cringeworthy, right? And yes. he does that too. He's amazing <laughs> at it, and I think there that the American version of that definitely got his own creative freedom and did things differently, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But then there's a a British show. Oh, about a father who drinks a lot and he got turned into an American show. And that's literally starring, um, oh my God, this is embarrassing. Um, William Macy? 
the starring William Macy as the oh, drunk father. This is beyond my ken, I believe. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll link it to the show notes as always. <laughs> um, but it, it's really done shot by shot, frame by frame, and it loses some of it because it's yeah. just so, but this is what they paid for. This is what they wanted. So this is what we're going to give them, where there has to be some sort of freedom. But you're talking about the actual art of paying homage or homage to somebody who went before you and saying, I acknowledge someone who was here before me. Yep. They made an amazing film. I'm going to reference one scene from that film and I'm going to sort of copy it, be inspired by it. So people get it, get it. Yeah. But it'll still be a beautiful scene. But people, I just want to put it in there. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think a great example, and uh, I promise I won't be talking about Tarantino this whole yeah. way through. Um, Tarantino, in Pulp Fiction, he references a scene in Psycho where at the very start she's driving away from work with the money from her boss and she stops at a traffic light and her boss walks across the road, yes. sees her, they have yeah. a moment and he just goes on because he doesn't know anything has gone wrong. In Pulp Fiction, yes. uh, Bruce Willis has a very has that same interaction with the person that he's running out of town yeah. with the money from as he's crossing his road. But, of course, it goes very differently because yeah. they do know what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's a great twist on, like, on referencing that material yes. and that that tension yeah. of what's going to happen and then yeah. something actually happens. Yeah. Um I think that is that is a great homage because you even if you don't know what's going on, it's a great scene. Yeah. But if you do know what's going on, it adds extra to the scene. Yeah. Um and I think that's what a good homage does. Yes. Um so yeah, that is when I'm working on a creative project, so like when I'm directing theater. Yeah. There are people who would suggest that you throw away everything except the text and yeah. just work from the text. Yeah. I don't like to do that. Okay. I like to be very aware of what has happened with the text beforehand. So okay. um, the most obvious example would be when I directed the producers. And I, I've spoken about this before. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there's been... No, you haven't spoken that you directed it, but are we spoken about it being a TV show turned into a film that turned into a TV, yeah. uh, sorry, a theater to TV film to, to theater forth and back several times. Yeah. And Mill so Brooks, that right? is, yeah. yeah. And so when I was directing it, I would, I, I went through and I figured out what were the differences between the different mediums? What are the things that people latched onto? Mm. What are the things that people are expecting to see yes. in the show? Yes. Therefore you can make decisions about whether or not you surprise the audience by putting it in there yeah. or by not putting it in there or yeah. by twisting it in some way. Okay. So making your own spin. Are you allowed to, with me, you get a license to do the producers. Are you allowed to become creative freedom or do you have to follow the script the T by T? Because the then it's just The words have to be there. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to staging or the delivery. sets and uh, blocking and movements and, and like ad libs or what have you, that that is all, you okay. can all create that yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's not a homage because that's just... Um, well, maybe we're seeing things differently. No, no. Is that a homage? Yeah. Because it's 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 a property, intellectual property that you have licensed. You've paid yep, some money absolutely. to do it, and it's within that framework. Of course, you're giving, you know, two percent free creative freedom, maybe ten percent <laughs> creative freedom, as opposed to creating your own where you reference some other what is work. So, yeah. in what I'm referencing there is like because the licensed version is the is a Nathan Lane performance so a yep. lot of what is there is nathan lane you can definitely go back to the original movie which is zero mostel um and that can be uh, it's a very different performance oh, okay and you can put that in there the relationships between the characters are very different from the movie to the musical as well 
Well, it um, went forth and back several times between the musical it did. And, and then the film, yeah. right? Yeah, and so that is like a lot of what I did to pay homage to the producers was going back to the original movie oh, okay. rather than what just what the musical did. Got it. Um, because the musical sanitised a lot of things. The original movie was very, very frenetic. Yeah. Um, and so it was, you, you, within a licensed property, within these very strict bounds that you yes. have to work in, I did, I enjoyed bringing in okay. this extra knowledge that Got for it. people who were familiar with the text in all of its different forms, they will go, oh, I see. And ah. it would be a funny joke either way. Got it. But it's I funny see. and there's there's okay. some sort of meta-narrative going on as well. Got it, because I thought it was just very restrictive when you worked on someone else's uh, property. But that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it, it is. Um, when you license something professionally, yeah. um, you get a lot of license to like rewrite songs, put things different in. You actually ah. work with the original creators to do yeah. that. When you license something independently or uh, what it's called amateur in some, <clears throat> okay. some licensing, you basically get the material yeah. and you have to use all the words so you can't like cut scenes or no. anything like that. But other than that, the staging is usually up to you. So... That's a world that I don't understand anything about. It yeah. might be a side subject <laughs> here, but is is that a big? Is that happening a lot? These licensing deals. I mean, theaters get licensed, uh, plays get licensed all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's um usually like Broadway is where plays yes. go to become famous, and yeah. then they get licensed around the world. Okay, yeah. so the rest of the world can get to enjoy. Yeah, a Hamilton, for instance. Exactly or, right. Yeah. Yeah. So Hamilton, there, there are. There's the tour that you can license. There's the pro-am, which you can license, and there will eventually be the amateur that you can license. Ah, yeah. And there are different restrictions on all the different levels. Interesting. Um, when it comes to plays, usually you're given a lot more leeway, especially because there are a lot more plays that are out of um, that are out of copyright. So you can uh, you can do whatever you want with them. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, interesting. I learned yeah. something today. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thanks. And, and I think that is. That's a part of homage is working within the rules mm. to add yeah. extra into okay. the text. Okay. Um, and I think we you are working on that meta narrative on it. what's happening above yeah. what's happening in the text. And then you're referencing those to each other and people get it, get it, and people don't get it, they'll yeah. still enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you don't want to subtract for people who don't get the joke. No. Um, you don't want the jokes based on, and I think that's what parody does. Parody... If if you're watching a parody of um of say Seinfeld in uh in South Park, if you're not familiar with Seinfeld, you're not gonna get the parody no, that's no. in in South no, that's Park. That's true. Whereas an homage will make something funny that is referencing Seinfeld that also the joke pays off. Do you like you say you didn't like remakes. I agree with you. Do you like um it's very rare remake has has, has done better than the original. Um have you do you like those, there was once all these movies came out. That was probably 10, 20 years ago, I guess, where, you know, we had those, we had all those films called Scream 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. And then the parody of the films came out. Yeah. Where they took the scary scenes. movies. Yeah. And they made fun of them. Is that homage, in your opinion? That is, that is strict parody. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the pa parody itself became a genre of yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, like the epic movie and not another teen movie or the superhero movie. Yeah. Uh, and there is not a genre of movie that I dislike more <laughs> than those. Um, I'm not a fan and, and honestly, I think it's because it removes all the artistry from homage. Yeah. And it's just like, Hey, this guy is an angry Spartan who kicks someone into a hole. Isn't that funny? Yeah. What if he just kicked a 
mothering a baby into a hole. And but <laughs> but well, I know you're a fan of Mel Brooks. And when Mel Brooks mm-hmm. did a film called Men in Tights, which was yep. making fun of Robin yep. Hood, right, Absolutely. and the whole Sherwood Forest, is that okay? Because it's Mel Brooks, or is that not okay? Well, that is parody. Yeah. Um, but I would say that that is probably a loving parody. Like it's yeah. not saying Robin Hood is stupid. It's saying. <laughs> Robin Hood has all these jokes in it that we are not used to seeing <laughs> because they, these are men in tights. Men in tights. I love the title. <laughs> <laughs> in tights. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is that is what Mel Brooks does best. Like uh, even with Spaceballs, which yeah. is itself a parody. Yeah. But as it's a uh, it's mocking oh, it it's mocking Star Wars and Star Trek and Star Trek. Yeah. But it but it has jokes of its own. Oh yes. So it's not just it's not just making humor through reference. It is also having humor of its own. Yes. Um, those sorts of parodies, I don't mind so much, Okay. but the scary movie parodies, where it's like, let's just take the plot yeah. and put pop references in there yeah. and reference Shania Twain or something. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like meaningless jokes. Yeah. Um, that is what, okay. I really, I find that cringy because I find it pretty, pretty bereft of in, bereft of our craft okay yeah got it got it yeah. okay hmm. what about you did you like scary movies no i, I, I don't know <laughs> i haven't even watched that don't want to watch it is i i you know life is too short to life is too short to sit through bad movies i am very <laughs> look we're blessed in the age now where when i grew up we when i was 12 or 14 I think a vhs store video store moved into my street mm-hmm. and i remember going down there and you could rent a movie this whole concept that you could go down and you could choose a film that you could choose at your own time yeah it was it blew me away because up <laughs> until then there was the cinema and then we had one state channel run tv station right that yeah. was it so whatever was on that was on everybody's watching the same thing <laughs> that was it so you couldn't choose the fact you could choose your own render vhs tape i was i was blown away by that concept so today we're blessed because we have COVID, because of COVID, we've all gone <laughs> streaming, right? So, you know, we have Netflix we have and Disney now. <laughs> and we have uh, Amazon Prime and all these channels. And I am just like a script. If I am not into the script by page 20, yep, I, I can't read anymore. I just, I'm sorry. I, 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 same thing. So if there's any screenwriters out there, you know, make the first 20 pages <laughs> really, really stick. It's important, right? Yeah. Same with the movie. I mean, I, I, I am... If I don't, I, I am very impatient. I, I don't want to waste. Maybe I've watched too many films through too many years and being <laughs> a little bit dappled by the industry. But um, yeah, if it doesn't get me without 20 minutes, then I'm gone. I'm sorry. I think I'm, I'm about the same as well. I can't like, I'll, it. I'll give it. Yeah. Give it 20 minutes. Yeah. A TV show, I'll give one or two episodes. And, and then there's some films that just, ah, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. It keeps luring. And you end up watching the whole thing. And the recent film that of mine that I watched with my wife is Beckett on a film on Netflix. Uh, it's the starring the guy, I can't remember what his name is. He was in The Tenet. He was the protagonist in Tenet. Okay. And this is a film about him being the wrong guy at the wrong place at the wrong time in Greece. He's on holiday with his girlfriend. Right, yeah. And then a police officer starts shooting at him and he just <laughs> kept being chased. And... I didn't like it, but I kept watching it. So some films fool me. Some I, I wish to have done many things differently, but it was entertaining enough to not entertaining, but it was you wanted to find out why this was happening, and yeah. that kept you going until the end. But yeah, you felt you wasted some time after yeah. you watched the whole thing through. Should have caught it earlier. Anyway, that's just my personal opinion. Yes, well, of course, and and I think bringing it back to homage, I think the American Office is a great example of that. Yeah. The first season is just a remake. It's just an Americanization. Yeah. 
After the first season, though, when there was no more source material, yes. that's when it became homage. It took the the relationships Got and it. it took the characters yeah. and it made something more of them and it, yeah. it actually added something to the to the interpretation. And I think yeah. that's when it became a better yeah. show. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of The American Office and I'm yeah. a big anti-fan of Ricky Gervais. Okay. Um. For no Why? reason, he's a very smart person. I yeah. just can't, cannot stand to look at or listen to him. Um, <laughs> well, you got nothing against him. You just can't. Nothing against him. <laughs> Absolutely not. I just cannot. You don't stand think he's funny? Consuming his media. Um, he great jokes. Yeah. Cannot stand the way he delivers them. Oh, okay. Um, so it's delivery. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's totally irrational. Yeah. I, ca- I cannot put my finger on why I do okay. not like Ricky Gervais. Yeah. I'm sure that if he was a different person, I would have no problem at all. But, like, I just have a visceral reaction when Ricky Gervais is on Does screen. he remind you of a, a school bully from way back or something like that? You don't know. That's all I, right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I'm very sorry, Ricky Gervais. Um, this has come up on a lot of podcasts that I've been on before. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, like, so taking what Ricky Gervais and the vibe yes. that he created yes. and then – the what the later seasons of The Office are homaging that by yes. growing it, yeah. um, and I think that's what a good homage does. It takes a material, takes the original material, yeah. and adds to it without denying that it's referencing it. Got it. Um, and I think that is that's a very strong stance for an artist to take. Going like, yeah, I know that masters have come before me, mm-hmm. and I'm having my say as well. Exactly. Um, and so that's why a lot a lot of my my creative projects incorporate what has come before me what's the uh is it an emmy speaking of Rick, ricky gervais <laughs> and uh what's his name the guy who plays michael in the american version My, uh uh steve carell of course steve carell yes so there's one one year where uh, steve uh, gervais steve gervais <laughs> don't don't show up and pick up his Trophy and Steve Carell came in. Yes, yeah. and then the year after, he's trying to get it back. <laughs> Is that funny for you when they were doing that joke? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. I think that. I mean, and that's a funny joke. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's also paying homage. Yeah. Because yeah. you own it. I want it. You yeah. took it. You stole it from me. You, <laughs> yeah. So they're making fun of yeah, that. Steve yes. Carell's a bigger star with the character that Ricky yes. Gervais created exactly. than Ricky Gervais ever was. Exactly. Um, exactly. Ricky Gervais gets the majority of the earnings anyway. So oh, yeah. he's he, not hard he, done by. He, he, we'll feel sorry for him. I'm sure he made a pretty good deal there. All right. Um, that's pretty interesting. Marsh. So is it time to talk about our top three list? I think so. Okay. I'm happy. Let's do that. <laughs> do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I referenced South Park. Before. Yes. Uh, South Park, I think is strict parody. Yeah. It's, very, very rarely homage, though a TV show that I think does homage the right way is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is basically this group of terrible people doing terrible things, the end. And it's a strict sitcom. Everything goes back to status quo at the end. Okay. And then, yeah. Um, but over the years, like they have, they've changed the format of their show it, in episodes to reference like Law and Order or Seinfeld or okay. whatever. But at no point did they sacrifice their show. Mm. They're just adding in elements of these other shows yeah. uh, and kind of incorporating them in how either how the story is told with the, the characters in the case of Law and Order yeah. or actually the characters mimicking 
Got it. Uh, like a scene from Seinfeld or whatever. Got it. And that what they do is they kind of draw attention to the similar things that run through all sitcoms mm. and kind of make a comment on that. Mm. Or they kind of, by by exposing the the, the tropes of another genre, mm. by adding it into a sitcom and seeing how ridiculous that is. I've never really watched uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I will say it is... It is a show that is not for everyone. Okay. It can it's, be a lot to get through. It's an acquired taste. Uh, no. I would say if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I yeah. don't think you could force yourself to watch it and start to okay. like it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and South Park, I guess I was just too old when it came out. I never really got around to watching it. So I also have never been a fan of South Park. Okay. Well, yeah. I haven't even watched it. I know there's something about I will say, that always dies. But that's <laughs> the only thing I know. But yeah. I will say uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who are the creators, yeah. very intelligent and creative people uh, who deserve what they've got. But I've never, I've never, I never clicked. Okay. This South Park. Right. And I think that is because of my dislike of uh, lazy parody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So mine, I was going to go with Seinfeld first. I did change it, but let me just talk about Seinfeld. What Seinfeld has done many times is they have gone in and referenced the movie. Yeah. So JFK, the famous scene where he's, where Kevin Costner is talking about the magic bullet, how he hits mm-hmm. seven different points of entry and outry on, on, on three different people. And then uh, in, in Seinfeld, they do the same thing with, with some popcorn being thrown, I yeah. think it is. Yeah. There's also a scene from ba- Basic Instinct where, you know, Sharon Stone is being interviewed by the same actor who also is in Seinfeld, <laughs> but he's the post guy. What's his name in this? Uh, Newman. Newman, yeah. Newman yeah. is in inviting Seinfeld in to talk about posters. It's the same scene. And there's also it's lots of references in lots of films. Seinfeld does it really well. But I think from a newer thing, I think Stranger Things, especially yeah, first season. Absolutely. I, 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 it blew me away. And I, I had to find out immediately who these guys were because there were so many 80s references and being yeah. a teenager in the 80s I was so into plus the story was great the characters were great and you actually had kids and teenagers and 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 and, um, and uh, parents and an older generation all had storylines that was you were interested in it was it was yeah. impressive but it was the amount of references to music computer games uh, what you were wearing what they could do I was just it, it was just a treasure trove for me and I was blown not it so was, much the second one third one a little bit but the first one I was just blown away yeah, yeah. well that's, it was only ever meant to be one season yeah. and then yeah. it was just the popularity was so big yeah. um, I think yeah the Stranger Things is great because they also tie in the narrative tropes yes um, and they tie the references into the narrative mm. which is just that is what makes I mean, that is what makes it homage yeah, for me exactly yeah. and and you could just go on I mean there's a scene where the sheriff is sitting reading a book it's a Stephen King book I mean it's just so many it's just yeah. every episode you could just take 10 things out okay that means that this means this that is what I get like it's just and then you probably miss 10 other things yeah. it was just such a treasure trove <laughs> and they did it in a way where they paid respect yeah. right they're like Somebody came before us. Somebody paved the way. We're now giving back in a way. And I, I just love that. And it made the universe so much richer. And you could still watch it without getting all those references. That was so, so beautiful yeah. about it. And a you lot of people did. Yeah, you didn't yeah. have to. You didn't have to get it. But for people who did, I was, like, I was blown away. I was... It was it was really really good. So that was my uh, yeah, that's mine. Uh, start, Stranger <laughs> Things. So it's taking the prize before Seinfeld. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next one is uh, Edgar Wright. So Edgar Wright is yeah. a director, um, particularly Hot Fuzz, because he homages um, he homages uh, like Point Break and Bad Boys too, like very directly by having the characters watch the scenes that he's then going to have like them reenact later yeah. through 
narrative. Yep. So the narrative just leads them to that point. And because they're inspired by these scenes, they know what to do yep. um, in the in the narrative. Yep. And I think that's a great way of homaging the kind of the kind of macho action movie in this movie, which is about like not macho action. Uh, action characters. It's the British one about the police officer. Is yes, yeah. yeah basically, he goes to a small town and something's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, this this hyper hyper competent London cop yeah. who gets sent to this place yeah. as a punishment. Yeah. What's the name of the guy? His name is Simon. Uh, Simon Pegg. Yeah. And Nick Frost are, okay. the, are the two main actors. Okay, yeah. but it's Edgar Wright who wrote it. Edgar Wright wrote and directed it. Ah, okay. okay. It's getting a reference there. Yeah. yeah. It's, I enjoyed Hot Fire. It was funny. It was, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of stuff in there that's really good. I like And that Edgar show. Wright in, incorporates a lot of homage into his, yeah, into yeah. his films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because... And that is because he has a very distinct style. Yes. And so I think if anyone, if, if a director has a very distinct style, I think they have to comment on where it's come from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I enjoy Edgar Wright's work. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. And he's done a lot of stuff with Simon, hasn't he? Yeah, so they did the trilogy with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah. They did uh, Shaun of the Dead, yes. Hot Fuzz, yeah. and... Uh, World's End. Yeah, well, it's a funny film. <laughs> funny, funny, silly, ridiculous film. Yeah. But yeah, 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 I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Cornetto trilogy is what they're yeah, called. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. And then, okay, got it. All right. Um, my second thing is some music. That was, came out, I think it was last year. Uh, Blind, Blinded by the Light, uh, Blind Lights by uh, The Weeknd. I don't listen to music. You don't the, listen the, to music. I don't listen to the, a lot of music. The I, angry communist. We need to put it on there for you. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a music that's heavily influenced by eighties, and it's yeah. the beat, the synth, the the pop music, and the way. For me, it was a lot of Michael Jackson references. Yeah. In the dancing style, um, and I thought it was just homage uh, for me back to something in the eighties. But you don't know the song at all, so I, I don't. No. I will listen to it yeah. if it's in the show notes. No. Um, so is it the like the style and the of the riff and then the riffs? Yes, and, yes. It's yeah. a very very eighties inspired music coming out in 2019, 2020, sure. 2020, whenever it came out. Yeah. So um, and it took on a whole a lot of it went viral because a lot of people were doing these dances during lockdown okay. to this song oh, right. and okay. they're coming out of them dancing in a very particular way <laughs> and everybody was doing it and I was just because people were stuck in yeah. lockdown yeah. <laughs> so awesome. it's very funny so I just like to reference that song because it was just I thought it paid a lot of homage to yeah absolutely people before them what's your final one my final one I couldn't leave him off the list Tarantino Tarantino yes. but specifically Kill Bill 1 and 2 yes um, I think this is Tarantino's most concise Series of homage, yeah, that has happened. The best ones you're saying, <laughs> uh, yeah. The the most the most artistic, the most artful ones because yeah. episode one or, or episode of the first movie is just revenge kung fu flick the whole way through, yeah. and the second one is just narrative all the way through, and it's it's western, but it also goes back to like actual ultra like yeah. almost referencing Kung Fu yeah. um, movies exactly where he's actually bringing in a character from Kung Fu movies. That is kind of a mythology and he's bringing in actors from those same movies and putting them in this oh. movie in as different roles. Okay. Wow. Um, it's, there is such a web of intertextuality interwoven into these films that I've, I've been gushing about these films since they came out. I saw, 
Kill Bill was my first R-rated movie that I saw in cinemas. Yeah. I saw it three times. Um, and I've been a big fan of it ever since. And that yeah. was kind of my bridge into Tarantino as well. I've never watched Kill Bill. I know. It's, 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 it, not, look, it's, as a film it producer, it's weird. I have <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things I shook it around doing. I uh, know. It's just, I do like Tarantino. I thought Pulp Fiction was yeah. a masterpiece. I thought Reservoir Dogs was, it blew me away when it came out. And I was, there was just a rhythm and a pace and a story and a drama and a, the dialogue, the dialogue. Yeah. Oh my God. The dialogue was just, I don't know why I never got to see Kill Bill. I just never. Kill Bill's a little bit I of like a Uma Thurman. I've seen yeah. it a lot of stuff. So, and I like Tarantino. I just never got around to seeing them. Look, and by all means, like I'm not going to, I know people who don't like Kill Bill and there's yeah. very valid reasons for not liking it. Yeah. There's a lot of stylistic choices that you, that people might find yeah. um, like there's a lot of gore, a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think every choice in that movie has been thought through 10 times mm. and tied into every other choice in the film. Um, so yeah, I can't, this is, this is Kill Bill one and two is like the pinnacle of homage in my, wow. in my book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll, I've started watching some of the stuff you suggest actually. Yeah, I've sure. mentioned because I've said I'm writing the show notes. Go, oh yeah, I should check that out. You mentioned Chronicle at one point. I'm yeah. watching that at the moment. <laughs> and the other day you watched, uh, you mentioned the uh, Rocky Horror Picture. I watched that. So I'm actually following the show notes. Uh, so there you go. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> My last one is a film from a long time ago called The Untouchables. Okay. Kevin yeah. Costner yep. and Sean Connery and Andy Garcia. Amazing film. Um, and of course, uh, playing Capone is Robert De Niro. Yep. So it's an amazing film. But there's a very famous scene in the film where they're caught at the Central Station and where a, a pram uh, is going down the steps, the steps in slow yeah. motion and they're all pulling guns and start shooting. And that's a reference to a Russian film called Battleship Potomkin, I think it's called. Potomkin, yeah. Potomkin, yeah. And that's the same scene that they're paying homage to there. And it's just so beautiful because it's still, even if you don't understand the reference, it's a beautiful Incredibly scene. Incredibly effective, it, yeah. It's this kid going down and mom screaming, running after this kid going down when this mayhem opens up around her and all she cares about is yeah. her kid, right? <laughs> People <laughs> shooting at each other left and right. So, um, yeah, it's just a very strong reference to homage to, uh, to that film. So I'll put that in the show notes. People Absolutely. Can check it out. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. When you're talking about homage, you get to put two films in there. Yes, <laughs> you will. And I'll try and find the YouTube links for everything so we can scenes references here so people can find out and see what we're doing excellent all excellent. right well i think that's the that's the end 16 episodes 16 episodes saying i look forward to number 17 number 17 will be coming next week thank you <laughs> bye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.